Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, 21 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock. Figured if we're going to talk about the Women's World Cup, and for that matter, Women's Indy 11, we would bring on Greg Rakestraw, who joins us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Greg, I'm going to begin by asking you the question that I just asked kind of rhetorically. Uh, as the United States gets set to play in the Women's World Cup in New Zealand, they are obviously a heavy favorite, but... Is the window shrink? Window's the wrong word. Is the gap shrinking in terms of women's soccer between the United States and the rest of the world? Absolutely, it is, uh, and it is largely because the remainder of the world takes the sport a lot more seriously. I.e., the mega clubs in Europe have realized, hey, there is money for us to be made in terms of. Uh, you know, funding clubs and and signing players and things of that nature. Um, you know, something that you know that we figured out in the states, you know, some time ago. So it is it is definitely a window that is shrinking. I shouldn't say a window again. You're saying it the right way. Uh, it's not that the window is shrinking. It's that everybody else is getting better, and I think you're seeing that in the scores across the board. Despite the uh despite the gap shrinking, the US women are still pretty heavy favorites. Would it be how big of an upset in your eyes would it be if they didn't make it to the World Cup final? Um a slight upset. They are the favorite. I wouldn't call them the heavy favorite. Um just because Spain is good and England is good and Germany is good. Germany's probably the second best team um, Canada is not that far behind the United States. They played to a nil-nil draw uh, against Nigeria in, in, in a match earlier this morning. Uh, last I checked, I, it's gone final by now, but uh, happened to roll over and catch. Spain was up 3-0 on Costa Rica some 30 minutes in, uh, and they're thought to be kind of the co-second favorite along with Germany. You know, England's got a recent win against the United States. So the U.S. is the favorite but I wouldn't classify them as the heavy favorite. Greg, when you talk about women's soccer in other nations growing based on professional leagues, club leagues, et cetera, uh, I'll be honest, and I don't think I'm alone in this, so I'm not, so I'm not necessarily embarrassed to say it. Uh, I didn't realize that the Indy 11 do have a women's team. That I, My understanding is it's a doubleheader this weekend with the men's team. This is year two for the women, is that right? That is correct. And, again, the women play – at what would be the equivalent of like a collegiate summer league in terms of like like baseball would be the case. Uh, the terminology that gets used by the USL is pre-professional. The translation, primarily college players. What's a little bit different, though, is that the Indy 11 have several players that have professional experience, simply aren't current professionals. The Indy 11 are not paying them, but we have a pretty deep talent pool to, to, to pick from here in Indianapolis. So, like, for example, Maddie Williams, uh, who has played for us in each of the last two years, Maddie played professionally in both, you know, the Netherlands and Spain. She scored 13 goals in Spain before the pandemic. These days she works off of her both undergrad and master's degree as an engineer and plays soccer on the side. We have 
four, if not five, players that are former pros that play for our team. And the Indy 11 women's team will be a professional team in two years when the new stadium gets completed. They will play at the time in the USL Super League. So um, there right now are 12 professional teams in the United States. There's really one league, the NWSL. That will be changing effective next year. Well, there will be a second league called the USL Super League. Okay, Greg, uh, appreciate the clarification on those two things. I know you've got to run, but and I know you talked about this yesterday, but final minute with you, uh, your thoughts on the Colts uniforms. I like the helmets. I'm not crazy about the uniforms. I talked about this on, on Wednesday saying, hey, it's it's a shame the Colts don't get to have like these throwback unis, and I realize they have the ones with the horseshoes on the back and the striping of the piping is a little bit different. Um Again, the helmets I think are really cool. The uniforms are kind of okay. Uh, but at the same time, the Colts have a classic uniform. Maybe we shouldn't complain about the Colts, you know, not getting to wear their throwbacks because they look they have rocked now for the better part of 60 years has seemingly lasted the test of time. Yeah, that's the one That's the one beauty of having tradition, right, and tradition laid. I've always said, Greg, the teams that suck the most are the ones that are changing their uniforms all the time, right? <laughs> like the Arizona exactly. Diamondbacks have 10,000 uniforms. Well, you know, although they're actually a decent franchise. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You are listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. So several people have been able to figure out via text the answer to my favorite game. And Sam guessed it in the break, and I have to admit, I don't think I saw this one at the Hendricks County Fair, so that is why it was somebody, top of Somebody mind. else said that's the hardest game at the fair. Have you? I mean, you've won it multiple times, according, he, according to Here's the thing. It is one of those games that it is the hardest game at the fair because it takes several attempts. But once you master it, then you can't unsee it. It's like once you once you get it right and you win, you're like, how did I not win? And then you can do it multiple times. Gotcha. I'll you, want, say that. you want to reveal that or we're going to hold off yeah, on we'll that? hold off. Okay. Uh, joining us now in the Payless Stickers Hotline, and I'm sure thrilled to be doing so, you can read his work at the Anderson, and I always forget George Bremer. Please forgive me. This is like my Dustin, is it Dopirac? Yes. Uh, mental hurdle. Anderson, Harold Bulletin, or Bulletin Harold? Harold Bulletin. You had it right first time. And my apologies on that. I don't. I, honestly, I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's like a, a weird hurdle for me. But nonetheless, one of the leaders and more tenured writers covering the Indianapolis Colts. We were just talking about this, George, in terms of areas of need for Indianapolis. On a 1-10 to 10 scale, your level of concern at this point about the cornerback or defensive back position. Oh, man, I'd probably say seven on defensive backs and probably right around that range, seven or eight on quarterback. I mean, it's passing league. That's not breaking news for anybody and uh, very little experience at those positions. So you figure there's going to be some severe growing pains uh, and it's it's all going to play out in front of, what, probably 70,000, 80,000 people a week. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how those young guys react to, to – you know, what's going to be probably a really challenging year for him. 
There are no, definitely some big-name wide receivers that are coming on the schedule on a week-in and week-out basis. So Kenny Moore and company are going to get tested regularly this whole 2023 season, which could could make for an interesting uh, interesting results. I'd say that George, uh, what did your what was your initial thoughts on the Indiana Knights jerseys that were uh, unveiled yesterday? Yeah, you know it's kind of interesting. Fans clamoring for you know alternate jerseys now probably about as long as i've been on the beat which it's been a while now and then this is kind of what the end up with so uh it's felt like free agency a lot of times where it's you know hurry up and do something and and then as soon as something happens why did you do that uh for me like from from my standpoint sort of look like those kind of like fashion jerseys that you that you'd buy at walmart not really maybe the look that you want to go for Fashion jerseys you'd buy at Walmart. There's the ring. Can we? I want to put that in bold letters right when you walk in the stadium. The fashion jerseys you'd buy at Walmart. You're right, George. That's not a ringing endorsement. No, you know, and it, it it feels like that's sort of the 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 vibe you're getting from all corners on this one right now. George Bremer joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. George, um, Shaq Leonard posted the video earlier this week showing him working out a little bit. We we really haven't gotten much from him. Jim Mercer was on Pat McAfee's show last week and kind of, you know, he's like, well, we'll see. He's working hard, but we'll see. What do you expect to see from Shaq Leonard if you expect to see anything at all from him in 2023? Yeah, I think that's, you know, aside from the quarterback, that's the biggest question right now around this team, you know, defensively everything changes if he's on the field and he's able to be the shock Leonard that, that we knew for the first three years in, in the NFL. Um, I think we usually on Tuesday, you know, when they report, we'll sit down with Chris Ballard. That's probably going to be the first thing he gets asked. It's op- There's a little bit more optimism, I think, than there was a year ago, just because he seems to feel like that leg's better. He's got some feeling back in it. You know, that was a big problem last year. He said he couldn't even really feel, you know, anything in that left leg. And that's obviously going to hinder you on the football field. Uh, but it's not even just getting out there. I mean, that's that's the first big step. And I think that's the most important thing. If he would be out there, like, on Wednesday, I think that would be such a huge boost for this whole situation. But how long is it going to take for him to get back up to speed and be the maniac that he was, you know, for most of his career – he was a far cry from that last year. He's the first one to admit that. And I think that is among the most concerning things as you get ready for this season. George, your opinion, potential to be, let me rephrase that, not the bigger distraction, which has more potential to be a distraction over the course deep into the year for the Colts? Shaquille Leonard's health or Jonathan Taylor's contract? I think Taylor's contract is as concerning as, as Shaq's situation is, they've been through that before. You know, they went through it all last year. Um, Zaire Franklin came in, did an excellent job. I think they have a lot of faith in EJ speed and, and what he can do if he has to fill in on that weak side. Uh, but with the Taylor situation, we've seen what's gone on with running backs throughout the league. Uh, that situation doesn't look like it's changing anytime soon. And I wonder how the locker room reacts to that. He's obviously very respected in that room. Uh, very seldom does somebody bring him up in, a, in an interview with us and not say something along the lines of he's the best running back in the NFL. And it's going to be interesting to see how they react to, to his situation and also the fans. Honestly, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to as training camp starts next week. 
are they going to get behind Jonathan Taylor? Or, you know, there's kind of a split in the fan base, too. There's some people that think, uh, you know, very much believe that, that this running back situation in the NFL is what it is. And, you know, the Colts are, if they, if they have a hard line stance here, they're doing the right thing. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how the fans react, how the locker room reacts, and, of course, how Taylor himself reacts. Do you think uh, if you said the fashion jerseys look like they're from Meyer, would that, would that have been, you think, an upgrade, or is that about the on the same parallel? I mean, they way back when, Meyer like, helped them sell out a, a playoff game, right? I think there was a blackout coming up, so I, it's got to be an upgrade, right? They have much longer <laughs> it's, history with the franchise. I guess if you're going with blackout uniforms, they should have just gone back to Meyer for that, right, as opposed to Walmart. But um, yeah. George – energy. That's right. Um how close, relatively speaking, so I, I want to give the parameter here. When I say how close is Anthony Richardson, the answer to that is obviously going to be not at all. I mean, he's a rookie that we haven't even, you know, he hadn't even done anything, right? But through the minicamp, in terms of what you would expect someone to look like who has been a top 10 pick at quarterback, but he doesn't have a lot of college experience, how close do you think he looked to what you would anticipate from someone in that situation? Yeah, it, he looked a lot like what we expected to see, I think. You know, it, there was inconsistency, as you would assume there's going to be, uh, especially in the red zone. I think that's where the biggest struggles are right now, uh, and that just makes sense. I mean, the, the windows get so much tighter down there. Decision-making has to happen so fast. Uh, I think – on down to down, you know, there, there's going to be growing pains. There's no question about that. Uh, those those crossers, you know, short intermediate passes over the middle. But that deep ball, he's already elite there. I mean, I think that's a situation where he's going to keep some defenses honest just because they know he's at the arm strength, but his ball placement is really good. Uh, if, if the receivers can, can get open and can get past that, that second line of the defense, I think – he can make some big plays happen there. And then obviously we didn't see a lot with his legs yet because you're not going to see that out here, you know, in, in practice with no pads, but that's something that on, on film and, and you would expect that's going to be a strength for his game too. So I think those are two good, you know, foundation pieces to kind of start with what you're going to need to see from him is that consistency, the footwork, you know, there's a lot of work to do and everybody involved the team has said that, I think there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. I think that's what we saw in the handful of practices we saw this spring. Uh, and it's going to be an ongoing process throughout the season. Do you expect Anthony Richardson to be the day, week one starter for this team, or are they going to go with Gardner Minshew first? Yeah, you know, a million-dollar question right there. But I, I think they want it to be Richardson. They're not going to hand him anything. But – I do believe that, you know, if you drop the, the perfect world scenario right now for Chris Ballard, Jim Irsay, Jane Sykin, they want Richardson to earn that job. Uh, and I think his teammates are kind of when, – when you hear them talk, you know, a lot of them are talking like he's a starter right now. And I think that tells you something about how quickly he's made an impact in that locker room, but also just how enticing those physical skills are. I think they're as excited to see what he can become as anyone else. It's interesting because, George, Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, when they drafted Malik Willis, Tannehill basically said, like, look, it's, it's not my job to, to groom this guy. I, I'm, I'm here to, to start and play and whatever else. Um, 
it does feel like Gardner Minshew, one of the real benefits of Gardner Minshew is that, and I realize he's not the incumbent, but I think he's pretty realistic, at least seemingly, about the situation, right? Like Minshew seems to be, to me, George, to be a guy that's like, hey, if they need me to start three games and hand the keys over, I'm cool with that. If they need me to start 16 games and tutor in the film room, I'm cool with that. And if they want me to just simply sit in the locker room and get checks by being in his ear, I'm cool with that too. Is that a fair assessment from what you can tell of Gardner Minshew? Absolutely. And I think that's a big part of the reason he came in. I mean, he obviously, Shane Sykin knows him well. He knows this offense well. Uh, but he's definitely been a guy that is just rolling with the punches. And, and he has since the very first day that, that we talked to him, you know, when he signed back in March, uh, he was then, he was very open about the idea that there were no promises. He knew there was in all likelihood a rookie coming in. He didn't know who that was at that time. Uh, and he said then, you know, whatever role they, they want me to fill. And guys say that all the time. I think Minshew really means it. I mean, he just seems like a really easygoing guy. Um, and I think he's been around the league long enough now. It's just four years, but I think he's been around the league long enough now to know as Matt Ryan said last year a million times, anything can happen. You know, no matter what the plan might be right now, no matter how things start week one, he he could go in thinking he's going to just do checks and, and, you know, be that mentor off the field, and, and he could end up playing 10, 11, 12 games. You never know. I think he's going with that mindset. Uh, but he's definitely a guy who who's willing and enthusiastic about helping to develop this rookie and, you know, trying to get – Anthony Richardson, where he needs to be. George Bremer of the Herald Bulletin joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. George, what are some expectations uh, for Michael Pittman Jr. this season? Caught a lot of balls last year, but didn't crack 1,000 yards. He's entering a contract season, but he's got a rookie quarterback potentially going to be his main starter. Uh, what do you see from Michael Pittman Jr. heading into the year? Yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, Taylor gets all the, the contract talk with good reason. That, that's where the situation is. Right now, Pittman's in a situation where if he can have a big year, uh, that the receiver market is in much better shape than the running back market is. You know, if he can go out, kind of bet on himself this year, put up big numbers with the rookie quarterback, then he's probably looking at a really good payday. Uh, you know, at the end of the road here, I think it's. I thought it was interesting last year. Yardage obviously wasn't you know where he wants it to be and, and where anyone would want it to be. But for him to get so close to 100 catches in really a revolving door at quarterback, that was that was pretty impressive. Being able to get through all of that, continue to be a guy that each new quarterback relied on, and I think that's what he's got to do now this year. If Richardson is the guy, you know, there's going to be growing pains. We've talked about that already a couple times, you know, just today. And I think Pittman has to be that guy that Richardson can count on. He knows where he's at. Uh, he's on time. He catches the ball when when you put it there. You know, that I think is the most important thing for, that he can do for this franchise right now. Give Richardson that sense of confidence back there, uh, because there's going to be so many other things going on in this rookie's mind. So much chaos around him. He needs that security blanket. I think Pittman's at a point in his career where he can provide that, and I think that's the most important thing he can do in 2023. George Brimmer is our guest. George, he's on the Payless Sigurds Hotline. We know what training camp did for the town of Anderson, for the city of Anderson. Um, we know what it did for Terre Haute, for that matter. I think there are a lot of fans in that area because they got to go see the Colts at Rose Holman when it was there. Obviously now in Grand Park, I know that that still has, I think, five years left on that deal somewhere in there. 
But I noticed that it does seem to be getting shorter and shorter. Part of that's I'm older. But are we trending towards the direction of eventually training camp simply being at 56th Street? Yeah, you know, I hope not, but that's the way the league's gone, right? I mean, they, there are very few teams. The Colts are, are on a very short list now of teams that go away for any length of time. Uh, but I, I just think the whole training camp atmosphere, there's so many fans that this is the only time of year that they get to see this team in person. You know, the rest of the time it's on TV. Uh, even people who are regularly at Lucas Oil Stadium out there at Westfield, you're so much closer to the action. You, you have opportunity to interact with these players at times. Uh, and I think it's good for the players, too. When you're at West 56 and there's nobody there, there's not as much juice. I mean, I think that's it's human nature. You get out there and there's fans and they're screaming. Uh, you know, it, the atmosphere, I think, is, is really special at, at all the camps that are still out there. You know, I just think it's one of the areas in the NFL that uh, I would hate to see it go, you know, away completely, but it really does feel like wherever that point is in the future, it, it's definitely where things are headed. Yeah, and George, you're old enough, and you're not old, but to to remember, especially those in Anderson when you covered it, I keep saying, I mean, it was like guys showing up for summer camp. I mean, they're carrying in pillows, and you know, one guy's got a Nintendo, and he's the most popular guy on the floor. I guess it obviously would be Xbox or whatever, but um, it literally was like, Rocky and Russia, right? Like getting away from everything to go train. And now I look at it and I go, wait a minute, they're doing like 12 practices and then they're right back to where they were, right? I mean, it is, I get it. I, I get it. I mean, it, the, the NFLPA is pretty powerful, but it just feels like all of the like junction boys type stuff of yesteryear is starting to become with each year more and more passe in terms of the, the like tough guys sweated out nearly dropped to your knees mentality, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm still old enough to remember two days. You know, and when they when they first got back to Anderson, uh, they had two practices a day and then both of them were open and now it's, you know, one walkthrough and one practice and I think it's all part of that yeah, like you're talking about, it's all part of that same, you know, philosophy here. More rest in the off season, more and that's why the, the there's only 13 practices this year. There's a lot more off days built in than even what it felt like a year ago. In uh, you know, I, I will say the Colts seem a little more committed to the idea of, of staying at least part of the off season, uh, you know, out at a training camp away from their regular facility than, than many franchises. They talk a lot about the value of this. I think a lot of that's what you were just mentioning, getting away, making it all football all the time. Even if it's, you know, three weeks, uh, it's just a situation I think that really helps with team bonding. Uh, but we'll see. I don't know. It, it's definitely, you know, on the ex- extinction list in the NFL right now across the board. Do you think the less practices are a help or a hindrance as far as getting players ready for the regular season? Definitely hindrance, especially for the linemen. You know, I think that's one of the biggest things across the league. One of the challenges they have: the offensive line doesn't have a lot of like live reps, so to speak. I think those joint practices, you're seeing those happen more and more. They help a little bit more with that because it's just a little more physical. It's a little more game-like, you know, than than a normal practice. 
Um, and also, you know, the young guys. I think there's just not a lot of time. It's, if you look at, like, undrafted rookies who aren't going to get a ton of snaps out there anyway, and then you just don't have that much time with them. I think if you would go back to, you know, the 80s when the Colts first moved here, and I think the rookies got there like a month before training camp started, to today, I think it's so much harder now for a rookie to, to find his legs and find a spot in the team. But, you know, a lot of them are finding a way to do it. George, what do you consider to be the amount of time before you can truly – adequately assess a quarterback I think three years is sort of the accepted number I think that's a good one you know by then they've kind of adjusted to whatever scheme they're in and adjust to the game and speed of the game uh, all the demands that that are on you as an NFL quarterback I think we underestimate the travel you know it's one of the things I remember um, you know listening to some of the people talk about Lionel Messi coming to MLS and you know, the travel in that league is just uh, European players don't don't deal with it. You know, they, they don't have anything like an East Coast to West Coast trip uh, that they've had to deal with. And I think you don't really deal with that as a college football player either. Um, some, you know, you might get it once a year if you're in a big conference, but most of the time you're pretty much in your region at least. Uh, and now you're going to, you know, play a game in New York, play a game in Miami, these long, long flights and things. It takes a while to adjust to all of that. Uh, so I think year three is, is kind of the right time. You feel like once that third season's over, you know what you need to know about a quarterback most of the time. Okay, so I'm going to play a fun game with you, George Brimmer, before we let you go. George Brimmer, our guest, Payless Lickers Hotline. Um, you said year three. I'm going to give you four quarterbacks that are entering year number three, I believe. And I want you to tell me where they're going to be three years from now. You ready? I'm ready. Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be a top 10, if not top five quarterback in the NFL. Zach Wilson. Might be in Canada. Trey Lance. Trey Lance is a mystery. He's the guy that kind of bucks this uh, because you really haven't seen him on the field yet. I mean, a lot of it has to do with injury. Uh, but right now, I would say he's not trending in a, in a positive direction. He might be a guy who needs a fresh start. Justin Fields. I think you're going to see him be very much like Lamar Jackson is now in three years. Okay. Kyle Trask. I'm going to say he's going to hang around as, a, as that sort of wanted, coveted backup kind of guy. Not quite a starter. Like an Andy Dalton type? Yeah, like an Andy Dalton type. Fair. Interesting. Laura, I saw a thing from ESPN where they interviewed or did a survey or whatever with, I think it was 50, combination of general managers, scouts, and coaches, league-wide, all anonymous, and asked each of them to rank their 20 best quarterbacks in the league and then scored them based on that. They only released the top 10, and they had Trevor Lawrence as number eight. After year two, I mean, I, you know, Lawrence to me last year in the second half of the season, I admittedly am biased because I watched every game he played at Clemson. But in the second half of the season, George, he looked like a guy that took a major step forward. And it was like, yep, now they're starting to see why he was the number one overall pick. And now it just becomes a question, right, of whether or not he can consistently play at that level. 100%. Now you've got to adjust to, you know, the league's going to adjust to you and you've got to readjust to that. I think that's 
for quarterbacks, that's one of the toughest things. You make your name, and then they're going to change, you know, what they're doing to you. And it, But I think the most important thing from Lawrence's standpoint last year at the end of the year, he lifted that whole team around him. And that's when you're the number one pick, that's what you they want to see you do. Pick that team up off the mat, took them into the playoffs, won a first-round game. That, to me, is a franchise quarterback. George Bremer joining us for another minute from the Herald Bulletin on the Pale Slickers Hotline. George, last one from me. More complicated contract for Chris Ballard to hammer out, Jonathan Taylor's or Michael Pittman Jr.'s? Yeah, Taylor's, I think, just because the Pittman thing, we kind of know where the receiver market is. You know, if you're good enough, $20 million is like the baseline. Uh, You you may not want to pay that, but you know what the league is is asking now. You swallow hard and, and make it happen. Taylor. You just it just feels like the running backs don't have much leverage right now, if any. You know, around the league, they're 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 just not getting these these deals that they think they deserve. Uh, and now you've got a guy who, you know, when they when they put those new jerseys out, his is the one I see on on all the social media ads. You know, it's number twenty eight everywhere. Uh, how they balance this is going to be, I think, really, really complicated and, and really interesting to watch play out. It's hard to get top money as a Honda Prelude when the used car lot has 10,000 Honda Accords. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, that, that's a really good analogy, and that's where the running backs find themselves right now. Yeah, it's interesting. George, appreciate it. We look forward to talking to you over the course of the season and your coverage of camp as well. No problem. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, George Brimmer on the Payless Liquors Hotline.